Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Honored to have this opportunity to interview Lou Magrone, who is a speaker, a philanthropist, and the founder of Walk in Sunshine Charity. Lou will be speaking to us today from Westfield, New Jersey. So in a way, we're neighbors. I'm in West Orange and Lou is in Westfield, and I'm sure he's eaten at our restaurants and I've eaten in theirs. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lou's wife, Francine, gave birth to a beautiful baby boy named Joseph Lewis on January 6, 2017. But sadly, every parent's nightmare was now their reality. Their son was stillborn and he was laid to rest a week later. This tragedy inspired Lou to create Walk in Sunshine Charity, whose mission is to provide assistance to families in the New Jersey area who have lost a young child. And additionally, it provides online resources for families all around the world. This is no doubt going to be a very informative and touching interview with Lou, and I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, Lou, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Hi, Irene. Uh, very nice to meet you, and, and I really, really appreciate this opportunity to, uh, to chat with you tonight. It's Your organization is wonderful, and it's truly my pleasure, though, of course, the reason for it is but we need people to be informed about these things. And here you are. So before we begin talking about Walk in Sunshine Charity and what happened to you, let's, um, how about telling our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience about your life and career before Joseph Lewis was born? Yeah, so uh, I grew up on Staten Island, New York uh, with my wife, Francine, and uh, we were just so excited that after we you know, met and, and, and were married to move to New Jersey. It's this uh, progression in life. <laughs> I made it. And, and we were looking around New Jersey and, and we, we settled on Westfield and, and the schools were great. And here we are, we took this leap of faith to move into our, our dream home in Westfield without having kids yet. So we kind of wanted to check that box and felt like we were doing all the right things. I went, you know, went to school. I have a doctorate in physical therapy. I no longer practice. My wife has two masters. So here we were both at a very working middle-class blue collar homes and, 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 you know, had put our heads down for a lot of years and, and, you know, we're trying to achieve the American dream. So we got to Westfield, didn't really have many friends and, and you know, we were able to get pregnant and then, you know, everything happened and we didn't have a support network in New Jersey because we were only there for about a year or so. Um, and that was kind of our, you know, uh, experience kind of leading up to that, uh, to that point. 
Did you have any experiences with grief, Lou, before you lost your son? Sure. I mean, as a as a teenager, I remember being away. I went to Ithaca College in upstate New York my freshman year. Both uh, a grandfather and a grandmother died from each respective side. And that was kind of difficult for me just because it was still used to not being at home and, and not having that that support. And I think other challenges when they arose in, in college, um, I really turned to a, a priest, to a, a, a man that became super close with me. His name is Father Scott Kubinski, still very close to me. He married Francine and I, and he almost became a second father to me. And he taught me things that maybe, um, you know, w- weren't easy conversations for my parents or other family members to have with with me growing up. So I'm so appreciative of, of him and his time because I think in your 20s, it's a, it's a great time to explore yourself and, and, and to practice certain things like meditation, like um, um, just keeping an open mind and, and thinking about grief and letting go and, and all kinds of stuff I'm sure we'll touch base on later in the podcast. Sure. But yeah, I, I, of course, there was relationships that break up that, you know, are rough when you're a young person and, and things like that. So, so yeah, some experience with grief, but obviously nothing like nothing like what you went through yeah, here, nothing like losing nothing. a child, of course. So how about sharing the emotional roller coaster you experienced while you waited? I mean, it's such a story while you waited for your wife, Francine, to deliver your stillborn son. And how did you and Francine eventually find joy in spite of this tragic circumstance? Yeah, it, it it was the craziest uh, 24 or so hours. Um, you know, Francine had an ultrasound at her hospital where she works at, at Staten Island University Hospital. She was a nurse practitioner there and, um, you know, received the call that the baby wasn't moving. And, you know, I rushed from New Jersey to her work and at this point, we decided to deliver in back in New Jersey where we were planning to, which was Overlook Hospital. And so we got to Overlook Hospital and, and I just remember the emotions going from New Jersey to Staten Island were just crying and, and, and everything was raw and anger and, you know, you're hoping something's wrong. And then, you know, they show you like four times that, you know, the baby's not moving. And once I saw that baby, I knew, or Joseph, right? Once I saw Joseph, I had gotten to know him so well from those other ultrasounds. I just knew he was always flailing on his arms and, and unfortunately he wasn't anymore. And so heartbreaking. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Crazy. So we got to overlook to confirm everything again, explain the process that it's going to take some time to induce Francine and, and I think the nurse came in and, and dropped off some sort of like book. I don't know what it was, but I wanted to throw it and I was not in a good place. And, and, you know, I, I thought about, you know, punching the wall and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. And a, a lot, a lot of anger, but I went back to that faith that I had practiced with Father Scott in my 20s, because you kind of revert back to this, you know, almost like primitive ways. And and because I had taken so much time to develop that, that just knew that it was in God's plan for 
for this to happen and to, and to let go and to almost allow it to happen and to say, hey, I need to be here to support Francine because she still has to vaginally deliver this baby. I have to cheer her on and coach just as if Joseph was alive, even though we know Joseph isn't alive, to, to make this as, as painless or as possible. But our a local priest at, at St. Helens here in Westfield, we called him because we wanted him to come pray with us. He came um, and it was just so powerful and it was so powerful. And, and our family showed up at certain times while waiting for, for Joseph to come. And then finally, you know, the nurses were checking on Francine and, you know, they said the time had come, but at some point, maybe after 24 hours and maybe Joseph was delivered 26, 27 hours after being induced. So the last two to three hours, uh, I, I can't, I can't describe it, Irene. I, I, we became excited. We were excited to see our son. Uh, this was our firstborn. We knew him. We spoke to him. Francine played music for him. Uh, we, that was our son. And guess what? We were going to finally see what he looked like. And, and, and that was exciting. And, uh, it was crazy and, and we cried and, and, uh, you know, joy and sadness, but I was so proud to see him. That was, that was my son. And, and that, and he had his name was Joseph and, and it was just so amazing to hold him. And I wouldn't trade that time for, for the world. Those, you know, few minutes, some stillborn parents do spend longer times, uh, with their child. We probably spent about 15 minutes and they, they put a diaper on him and they put the, um, a little beanie hat on him and dress him up. And um, it, those, those, I mean, so, so special and we're so excited. And, and, and only I think God can, you know, change hearts. And, and, and that's what happened is, is my heart went from being so angry and cold and, and rigid to being so warm and, and loving and open to see Joseph. And um, I'm just grateful to have met him. Look at how you evolved through this experience. Look at how you grew through this experience. That's amazing. I, it really is. What were people's responses to your loss? Were they generally sympathetic? Because um, they, I hear that stillbirths are very hush-hush and understudied and people have a hard time with it usually, don't they? Yeah, you're exactly right. I, a lot of people didn't even really want to acknowledge it. And to be honest with you, that hurt. And it still hurts now. I mean, Probably the best thing you could do for any stillborn parent, if you find that out about them, is just to say, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, it means so much because so many people don't and they don't understand it. So just because they didn't get to meet Joseph or hold him or play with him and he didn't pass at three months or a year and three months, um, I guess it's easy to discount um, that because people base it on their personal experiences. Um, so... I guess, so I'm 39 now, so this was three or four, four years ago, what all our friends were doing when they were having their children was sending a text to their friends being like, oh, so, you know, so-and-so is born, Mary is born on, on this day and this night and everyone's doing well. Well, guess what? I wanted that experience too. So I shared how beautiful Joseph was, the date and time he was delivered, and that he looked like his mother and something to the effect that you know, we were, you know, passing them off to heaven and almost nobody responded. Wow. Wow. Nobody wow. Knew what to say, nobody knew what to, what to do. And all, I don't even know if I was looking for a response, but I, selfishly, I was looking for to share my joy because of that joy I was having. 
Um, but yes, I, 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 I'm, I'm here today, Irene, just to, to bring some uh, awareness to this topic and, and that these children are part of our families and we're not letting them go and, and they're a part of our stories and Absolutely. to be recognized. So just the recognition, I think, is important because, Irene, you can sit here today in 2021 and say you're whatever color you want, you're whatever creed you want, you're whatever sex you want. And 99.9% of people accept that. But you say you have a stillborn, people run away. And, and that's not, it's not acceptable anymore. No, it's not. Uh, and how hurtful, how hurtful. Uh, what inspired you to found Walk in Sunshine? And why did you give the charity that name? Sure. I, I don't, <laughs> I didn't mean to be so uh, religious, I guess, on this, on this chat here. You can be as religious as you <laughs> need to be. I agree for me first podcast. You be you, Lou. Don't, it's not a problem at all. Sweet. Thank you, Irene. I guess uh, at mass in that next six months, um, I had heard locally here in Westfield, New Jersey, still being the outsider, not having friends about some other losses parents were uh, having. There was a, a a diving accident, a young man passed away, a teenager, another young lady was hit by a car innocently crossing the street. Um, and so one day the, the, the same priest that came to pray with us in the hospital gave this riveting homily saying, I, you know, life is hard and everything's hard, but he has not had to bury a handful of children and, and, and teenagers as he has in the last couple months. And obviously one of them was Joseph as well. And, and so here I am sitting here like, wow, I'm driving by all these houses and there's other people in a lot of pain too. And if you lose a child, it's, it's a pretty unique pain that's, you know, very high on the, on, on the, on the grief meters, you know, that right. Harvard and some other people have studied when they've looked at your kind of brain activity. So I was like, wow, there are other people in pain. And I know that when I was looking for answers on the internet, because that's what my generation does, is I'm Googling at 1 a.m., I couldn't find anything. I just kept getting dead ends. And I was just frustrated. And I said, there needs to be a, a, something that could compile all these great resources that are out there that are just so hard to find. And so to know that there was pain going around, uh, around me locally um, and the frustration I was having uh, finding it kind of led me to it. And then also going to the infant section in the cemetery, which is kind of children zero to three, a lot of the headstones, uh, about 50% of the graves, graves don't have headstones. And so I asked the cemetery keeper or cemetery master or director why, and he said, a lot of it's financial, Lou. You know, people, when they have young children are ready to pay for diapers, they're ready to pay for formula, but they're not ready to pay for a funeral and, or a grave and a headstone and all that. And so when people are living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, this, this is a burden and I didn't want that to be. So, um, so, so that was one of the reasons I wanted to start walking sunshine and we chose the name um, from um a psalm in the Bible that says, may you always walk in sunshine is how it opens. And it's about oh. letting go and about if, uh, if you, you know, there's no way that you could have cried any harder, you know, uh, or we would have saved you kind of deal. And it was just so fitting. And, and uh, All right. that is fitting. I'm really cool. glad I asked the question. That's, that's wonderful. Really. So on that note, if the God forbid, 
that's my Jewish part coming out. If the gossip mm-hmm. that happens, um, what should a parent do to prepare for services and final and a final resting place for a deceased child? What are the steps? Who helps with that? Sure. So I think one of the important things for us was Joseph being our firstborn was we didn't know if there was something wrong with us as parents physically. Would we be able to to have children after that? So uh, when it's a stillborn or a child that uh, passes at a very, very young age, I think it's called a perinatal pathologist. That was important to us. The state of New Jersey, where we live, Irene, to my knowledge, we have two I believe one at Rutgers and one down south, kind of in one of the Philly suburbs. Um, and then if the child is obviously two or three years old, maybe just a, a pediatric, you know, forensic pathologist, uh, if you need particular questions answered, um, because you kind of have to make that decision to do the autopsy piece before the services. But what's unique to stillborn uh, loss is kind of the quote unquote final resting place. So I've, since I've been out and about and started this charity and met so many families, it is such a unique, diverse way that you could choose to honor your child. So we know for adults, it's typically a coffin or cremation Um, and, you know, mausoleum or in the ground per se uh, can be spoken for, for, for many, many people. With stillborns, you hear people that will get an urn and they will leave the ashes in the house, which other people do too. But it's, I feel like it's a little bit more common with, with younger children or babies. And then also, I even heard uh, it's becoming popular for moms to get little lockets and, and putting some of the ashes in those lockets and carrying them around with, with them. So um, I think making some of those decisions are important and some of those uh, resources are hard to find. So when I showed up at, at the local funeral home here in Westfield, uh, a story I like to share, Irene, is that they said, oh, you need to bury your, your son, your baby boy. Well, here's our options. And pretty much the only option I remember seeing, Irene, was a uh, little pink pillbox that looked like it was from my grandmother's house in Brooklyn from the 1970s. <laughs> it, it just looked like it was 50 years old and it was pink. And and for me, that didn't work. You know, right. I, I need. <laughs> hey, my son was a, a yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need a baby blue thing here. And where can I find that? And so, Walk in Sunshine, our website, WalkinSunshineCharity.org. We have several different reputable online retailers that I've personally spoken to that kind of give you more uh, of an option for the urn or for the super small coffins, because these, these local funeral homes are not in the business of burying children. You know, fortunately they're in the business of burying people from five feet tall to, you know, six feet tall. Right. Right. So I think, I think finding the appropriate uh, place to rest your, your loved one in is, is important too. And, and we have some of those resources on our website. That's great. So as far as the resources on your website and important questions and scenarios, is there anything else you want to highlight that people can go to your website? And I'm going to ask you about your memory wall, but are there any other, are there other things that um, people might want to know to access on your site? Sure. I think the highlight is that we have a new podcast session and grief and rebirth is on. (laughs) (laughs) So, but we have links to, um, to books, to blogs, to podcasts, 
to national organizations, to local charities here in New Jersey. We also, you know, we have a special section for that. We also have uh, links to in-person support groups that people can find. Uh, we have, uh, oh, I one of my favorite uh, um, links or sections we have is for like tchotchkes and little memories and little like things that are fit. Hey, that's so cool. Chachki. I understand yes. Chachki. Yes, so, exactly. Like, what kind of chachkis? Chachkis, <laughs> for those of you who are not Italian or Jewish, a chachki is a little trinket or a little a little something. Yeah. So when I was when I was looking for something when Joseph passed away, I just kept coming up on the same one angel. Google would bring me this one. And I just didn't like this angel. But now I've I found you know five, six, seven, eight websites that have all kinds of cooler, different, more unique tchotchkes. So <laughs> this will save someone time. Right. Not to spend hours like Absolutely. I Absolutely. They're raving there like crazy and they need they need something and they're ready. Yeah. It's on your side. I have a few other resources to give you sure. uh, later on after our, after our interview because we have interviewed some amazing people on grief and rebirth. I'm already thinking of some people you might be interested in uh, talking with. That'd so, be great. Uh, yeah, and tell us about this memory wall. I was very touched by that when I saw that. Yeah, uh, we gave the opportunity to some people um, and some other people have written in and and when you kind of, I feel like it's like you join this really unique club when you lose a child because all of a sudden you find out all these other people that have lost a child too that maybe you didn't know their whole story or you lost touch with or, or whatever the case is. And so we decided to just give families the opportunity to just uh, post about their child, a little one-liner, the details of the of the child, um, you know, the name, the age that they, they passed, some dates that are important and, and a town they came from and, and it's been pretty well received. So, um, you know, the, these, these children are, are important to us and to be able to remember them uh, in any way possible, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm for supporting that. I think it's wonderful because in a way, you're saying that in a way people, children, these children become invisible. And um, even the way people are so uncomfortable with a stillbirth, it would seem to me, I mean, you're making them, you're, you're making them not invisible. You're making them very present. They were, they, they were there, they were on this and they're on the site. I think it's wonderful. Um, you have a touching story about a dad you helped whose daughter had committed suicide. Could you share that with yeah. us, Lou? Yeah. So, um, had found out about a young lady that had committed suicide and, and walk in sunshine. We don't want to be just about stillbirths. We also have other links for addiction, pediatric cancer, sudden unexpected loss, which means like a tragic accident. Um, suicide, suicide, addiction, pediatric cancer, unexpected loss and stillbirth would be the ones that we have highlighted and have a lot of resources for, uh, but when we're helping out financially, it's for children 20 weeks gestation till 18 years old. So we heard about this teenager that um, uh, committed suicide and was able to work with the funeral home and, and physically drove there to drop off the check um, to help pay for some of those services. And while there and chatting, um, the dad of this young lady happened to walk in and I guess he had heard that there was someone that was going to be helping out financially, but he didn't know who and where. And um, 
he was just another proud dad. He was showing me pictures they were putting up of her. Um, so her friends would later see it as they would process through. This was pre-COVID. And, and, and um, he was very proud of his daughter. Obviously, he knew he was, you know, at a very rough day in his life. Um, and at some point, you know, just kind of took me aside and, you know, thanked me. And, you know, he ended up sharing that he had no job and I had no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. At the time. And and there was other family hardship going on. And, you know, pretty much everything was a mess. And this money that we were donating meant so much to them. And next thing you know, he was hugging me. And and I guess I just kind of was like, whoa, you know, maybe this is one of the reasons why, you know, we started Walking Sunshine is, you know, we don't know who we're going to help and when or where we're called to go and, and, and whatnot. But this dad was, was just so grateful. And, and it's one of the highlights of, of being a co-founder of Walk in Sunshine that my wife and I, um, you know, that we have was just, you know, being there for that dad at that time. I think that's wonderful. Uh, I, it's, it's a similar feeling that I get with grief and rebirth that you're having because it's helping so many people. It's, a, yes. it's really a good feeling. Apart from offering resources to bereaved parents throughout the world, Walk in Sunshine is proud to offer financial donations to families in New Jersey who need support. Do you have plans to eventually expand the reach of the charity beyond the state of New Jersey? Irene, I think that's a great question. I would love to expand it uh, as much as possible. Uh, I just need a little bit more time in the day. I know. I just think I'm just <laughs> curious because it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful cause. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, the, the website and the amount, of, to your point that you just made, the website and how many people it touches, I'm able to, you know, every Saturday night I get a, a, an email of how many unique visitors for the week to see someone in India, someone in Colombia right. on this week, somebody in California. So yeah, I've had people reach out for resources in Louisiana, uh, all kinds of states, and it, and it stinks to say no because I have to, you know, be true to the people that have donated. And right now, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the money staying in, in New Jersey at this point right. based on, on the mission, but I would love to continue to, you know, to build out the board and, 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 and continue, you know, consider helping other people because we are getting the requests. Uh, it's still amazing to have these people write into the website because then I do know some national organizations that are bigger. I kind of consider walking sunshine, a mom and pop kind of shop. So I can push them towards those other resources and hopefully they can help financially. And then also maybe based on their story, when they're pouring their heart out in their email, which still every time stops me in my tracks because you're not ready to receive this email because you don't know when it's coming. Uh, I also try to suggest other resources and do other introductions and say, Hey, I know the executive director of that charity down the block, you know, from you, do you need something? I'm happy to introduce you. And, and that's been pretty powerful as well. So that's wonderful. What is the dad's view of loss and grief and coping? So something I've learned speaking with other dads is uh, when it's a young child that passes, uh, we get into this, you know, everything, everybody does this fight or flight mode, but we want to be there for the mom. And so we have to put up this hard, hardened external uh, persona because the mom is grieving. It's perceived the mom is going something through something that's worse. And arguably, typically it is. 
So what I found out is, and what I've lived and what I've heard is that, hey, everybody's making sure mama is okay for the first three months, six months, whatever it is. Uh, because of that, that connection the mother does have with that child, she carried that child, she birthed that child. And so the dad's just kind of, you know, not stoic per se, but he's neglecting his emotions. And then typically what happens is once maybe the mom starts to show that she is coming to grips with loss, she's maybe handling her day to day a little bit better, that the dad collapses. Falls apart. <laughs> yeah, like falls apart emotionally because he's been holding this in for six months and then it finally just overwhelms him and consumes him. And then maybe he realizes, wow, I want to speak to someone or I need to listen to a podcast or read a book or a blog or, and, and, and so on walk in sunshine, there are certain books and blogs and other resources that are just for dads. And, and, you know, I wanted to make sure that that was out there because um, you know, that is a unique uh, kind of experience. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of, you know, my experience, maybe not to a T, but to some extent, and I've just heard it time and, and time again. And, and when you hear it, it makes sense, but unless you've lived it, um, you know, you might not necessarily know that this may be what's happening. Absolutely. Well, this so brings, me back to right? a few, yeah, uh, brings me back to a few other interviews we've had because I've interviewed a few men who say how, difficult it is for a man to grapple with his emotions mm -hmm. and so uh, that's completely true uh, and what happens and the fact that you're making uh it available to people that they can get help and you're absolutely you're a terrific role model for that i think it's great uh because guys really do struggle with that and speaking of struggling you say that coping starts at a young age so explain why you're so motivated to speak to teenagers about loss grief and coping and the ways you reach out to them and share some of the wisdom you've imparted to teens about those subjects. Why, yeah. why are you so, I mean, I know you had, you're still born and you lost, but why, why the, the um, focus on teenagers also? Yeah. I, I think those teenage years are so formative and, and it's a great opportunity to practice when there's smaller losses going on. And I've just been blessed and this charity has opened so many doors and, and, you know, Irene, we get as, as heads of, of charities and things that are hopefully moving people, I get invited to so many, you know, the, the golf outings are coming back on and the, the dinners and I can't go to them all. Uh, but I've just always had a soft spot in my heart for, for the young people. And, and some people have found me and I've spoken at some high schools and, what I've tried to let them know is that grief is happening, you know, all the time around us. And there could be little griefs like not making the baseball team, uh, breaking up with a relationship, uh, a parent or a grandparent getting a disability. So maybe not this much, you know, monster set of, of grief, but grief and things that it's okay for them to start to acknowledge and realize that this is a type of a loss and that's okay to be upset because it has to start with the acknowledgement. And then, um, so we have to acknowledge the loss. Then we have to look at grief. And, and when I was in physical therapy school 20 years later, they taught us that grief was, was linear and you went through denial and anger. Oh yeah, right. That's true. It's not true. <laughs> yes. And so now I think it's been proven out that grief is, is chaotic. And so I like to explain that to the younger demographic as well, that we're continuing to figure out this grief thing. But however you grieve, 
grieve, it's okay to you for you. And there's going to be backward steps in this process and it's not linear and it's not, uh, and it's not simple to explain. And then in terms of coping, because I think they are at such a formative, uh, part, they have to figure out, Hey, when they're experiencing these griefs as a teenager in their twenties, what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to choose to get angry? Or are you going to choose to drink? Are you going to choose to, to take it out on other people? Or here are some other things. Is it, you know, one, one young kid uh, told me, he's like, when I'm upset, I like to just go in the shower and, and, you know, hot water and think, and it's so simple, but it, you know, it's so true, right? You know, just wanted 20 minutes to have the hot water hitting you on the neck and, 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 and gather yourself. Do you want to work out? Do you want to read a book? And so those are all things that you could practice so that when you do face a, a, a bigger tragedy, a bigger sense of grief or loss, and we all will, that you kind of already have the playbook somewhat written and you kind of can revert back to those habits. So we have to practice those habits at a young age. And I, and I think the young people, you know, they're focusing on trying to get into college, trying to, <laughs> trying to, 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 to get their careers off the ground. Uh, but if we're not talking to them about grief and loss, they could have this amazing stellar career. And, and then when this event happens, they could be derailed and it could totally, you're also teaching them empathy, which I think is fantastic. And it's so important. Yes, absolutely. There's a very narcissistic period of a kid's life too. And you're teaching them to, you know, someone, they, they run across someone in class or a teacher or whatever. And. So you don't know what's going on in a person's life. You're teaching them exactly. a lot of empathy. So yeah. for you personally, what kind of coping mechanisms do you employ when you've got a difficult situation coming your way? Yeah. So uh, prayer number one, and and just knowing that uh, I have to let go. I can't. I can't hold on to this stuff. I can't. I can't hold on to grudges. It's you know, it's not good for my mental, emotional well-being. I'm sure that's a theme time and time again. And and grief and rebirth and, and, and just know that, um, you know, that, that there are better days ahead, but to get through the day to day, definitely, you know, chatting with friends and, and mentors and, and, and having people keep company is, is always kind of, um, important. And then when I need my alone time, I would say, even if it's not strenuous, some sort of workout and, and just getting some of the energy out, uh, has been something that's, that's worked for me. That's so helpful. What is your all important message about the importance of healing grief? You're talking to these teenage kids. You're trying to tell them it's not a good idea to stuff it. Why should they go see someone? Why should they try to heal their stuff? Yeah, because I think if you don't uh, deal with it at that time or shortly after the stuff compounds inside of you and, and a couple little things or a couple middle-sized losses um, can can become bigger issues down the road and you carry that baggage with you. So um, nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to have uh, something going on, diff- you know, difficult challenges. And, and it's like anything else you have, to, you have to deal with it as, as it comes up. And, um, and, and as a young person, you don't want to take, uh, that stuff into your future relationships into, you know, when you're parenting, uh, because if you don't, right, we will find ourselves now as a young parent of, of, of two living young boys, 
you find that you're, you sound like your parents, right? <laughs> you say, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. And that's fine. And that's great 90% of the time, but there's always 10% that you maybe want to change and you have to know what that is so you can change it. Otherwise we will become our parents. And, and even when parents do a great job, uh, you know, the world changes and there's Absolutely. things to improve upon. So we have to continuously be evaluating ourselves and, and kind of healing ourselves and, and, and getting ourselves to a, a better place. I couldn't agree more. Now, I would really like to encourage people listening to make a donation to Walk in Sunshine because what a wonderful cause this is. And I'm sure that you've got um, the ability if they want to iron or someone who's passed or whatever by making a donation. So how do they do that? Um, and what are the best ways for our audience members to connect with you? Sure, thank you, Irene. That would be great. Um, 100% of the money donated goes to um, to the final resting uh, monies owed for a family between 20 weeks gestation and 18 years old here in New Jersey. I personally, my wife and I, we pick up uh, any other expenses that Walk in Sunshine incurs, you know, still being kind of a smaller charity. So 100% of the money goes to families that need it. And on our website, walkinsunshinecharity.org, there's a, a donate button on every page. And um, on our Facebook page, uh, which is pretty popular, it's facebook.com backslash uh, Sunshine Charity. Uh, you can message us there. Our Instagram page is um, walk underscore in underscore charity. I think we have like 10,000 or 11,000 followers, something That's pretty amazing. significant there. Uh, but I'm also open to email and I get a few a week. And that's walk in sunshine charity uh, at gmail.com. So W A L K I N S U N S H I N E charity C H A R I T Y at gmail.com. And, and I promise to get back to you within 24 hours and, and hopefully uh, provide you some sort of resources that you may need if you're going through um an unfortunate loss yeah this is wonderful if even if someone knows of someone going through this, absolutely they can refer them to your to you and your charity and lou i know you've got two precious little boys and all of that what is your tip for finding joy in life <laughs> uh let go let go of the small things um and and to try to find the the little um things each day that are free that we're all blessed to experience. And, and I know it sounds corny or cheesy or whatever those words are, but the ability to, you know, as it's spring here in New Jersey, while we're, you know, taping this, to hear the birds, to, um, to enjoy conversations, to have a nice cup of uh, coffee and, and, and relax, just little simple basic things um, have become more substantial and more profound and, in my life and, and, and letting go of, of just little stupid in the past. And, and if it's not really going to affect the, the greater scheme of things, then it's not really worth stressing about. We've got, yeah. you know, too many families to help and we've got other things going on that we need to spend our energy to do. So, um, you know, what do they say? Keep it simple, stupid, Keep it simple. Don't stress the small stuff yeah. and all, yeah, that. Yeah. all that stuff. So that's, I, I, I think that's, it's um, 
you know, basic, but it's important. And, and I think when you could get to that simplified level, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a blessing for me. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Well, Lou, your heartbreaking experience has provided you with this unique understanding about the pain of losing a child. And now you're honoring Joseph Lewis by helping so many others. Bless you, Francine and Walk in Sunshine Charity. And thank you from my heart for this inspiring, touching interview. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.